Well, I want to welcome you to Rise Church today. My name is Jason, an executive pastor here. Our pastor is out today, but he will be back with us next week. One of the things we always tell guests is try us out three times. If you're a first-time guest, we invite you to come and try it out three times. You know, you never know when we might be off, uh, having an off week. Hopefully today is not an off week, uh, just because I'm preaching. Uh, but uh, we invite you to come back, check it out. He'll be back next week. And he's been in a series called Overwhelm. And last week, he was touching on some points on what do we do in life when we don't want to feel overwhelmed? What are some things that we can do? And he touched on this one point, and he's like, hey, Pastor Jason, I want you to unpack that with some real practical steps and some hands-on things that people could do. And he said this statement. He said, think rhythm, not balance. One of the things that gets us overwhelmed in our life is we are thinking, we're trying to live a balanced life. He said, don't fall for the myth of balance. Don't fall for that myth that you have to live a balanced life, that it causes stress in our families. And we're going to focus today on stress and overwhelm. How can we live a life of rhythm to help us not be overwhelmed in our families? Now, uh, I'm going to talk a lot about being a parent today. I'm going to talk a lot about like families with kids today. So if that's you, that's this is going to be a great message. If you say, hey, well, I'm single, I don't have any kids, or I'm older, I don't have any kids, or I have older kids, this message is still for you. I heard some in the first service say, like, man, I'm going to apply this to my business practices. I can apply this in my life. And so, you know, I, I uh, am the dad of four kids. I have four kids. One of them uh, is going off to college in a couple weeks here. And, you know, I thought about as being asked to, to preach this is like, you know, uh, you know, I could just try to tell everybody, here's all that I figured out uh, from birth to college uh, about raising kids. I could do a message like that. But, uh, you know, a one-minute message uh, is not all that uh, uplifting, and I'm not sure that it all wouldn't be false. Anyhow, um, so I, I know less now than when I started. And I remember starting off, I got started in ministry, and the only place that they would let me uh, be in ministry is like, hey, go back there with the kids. Um, like, go back there and talk to the kids. And so when you're, when you're, when you're ministering to the kids, I'm a young 20-something, uh, late teens person, and I have no kids. I'm not going to go to parents and tell them how to parent. You know, I've met the guys who do that, they, and ladies who do that. It doesn't end well. And even when I have young children, I'm not trying to go tell other people how to parent. You know, young children, it's all, it's all it's so differently. And now that I've, I've, I've had four kids, and I have young, uh, all the way to one that's going to college, I'm certainly now never going to tell anyone how to parent uh, without really what I'm doing today is I'm telling me how to parent. I'm telling me how to lead. I'm telling me how to live a life of rhythm. And so, you know, you, know, you have this tension of, like, you want your kids to live a balanced life. You want them to be balanced. And by that, I mean you want them to do good in school, and you want them to do good in, 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 in athletics, and you want them to be musically inclined. they got to play an instrument, and they need to be good at art, and they need to be good at this, and they need to know this, and, they need to, and, and then you just try to create this, I'm going to create a well-rounded kid, and, it's, and, and we fall for this myth that that is what makes a healthy child. When Everything that's coming out today is saying this, is that the kids who are going to do the best, isn't, it isn't just the ones who are the smartest or the most talented, it's the ones who, who learn how to deal with adverse situations with resilience. In other words, this didn't go the way I thought it would go, but I'm still able to process through this and make it work. Like, our issue today is, becomes this, is like we're more blessed than we've ever been throughout history. We have more stuff, we have more, 
and we allow that blessing to get our eyes on the wrong thing with our kids, especially. We want them to have better. And so rhythms of life help us. And we all have a rhythm of life. Maybe you say, well, I don't have a rhythm of life. I just like to go with the flow. Well, that's a rhythm. That is a rhythm. That's going with the flow rhythm. And so we all have this daily routine. You know, I, I know at different times in my life it's been like, okay, we got to get the kids up. We got to feed them. They want food that we don't have in the house. Like, oh, hey, I want, I want Pop-Tarts. We don't have any Pop-Tarts, but I want Pop-Tarts. No, we don't have Pop-Tarts. Get dressed. Stop. Turn off the TV. Stop watching Netflix. Hey, put down the iPad. Stop playing that. You have to get ready. We have to leave five minutes ago. Stop. Stop. Oh, why are you wearing rain boots? It's dry. It's the middle. It, why, why are you wearing rain boots? You have gym class today. You're supposed to wear tennis shoes. You can't, you can't wear that. Like, you, you're not, I'm not letting you out of the house like that. No way. You got picture day today. What, that doesn't even match. Your hair is a mess. I already combed it. No, you didn't. That is not, you did not look at a mirror. So that's your, that could be your rhythm. This is the rhythm of chaos. It's the rhythm of chaos. And throughout scripture, we see families. And we see God's family. God's family was the people of Israel, the children of Israel. He called them the children of Israel because it was his family. And he's, and he's bringing them from Egypt to this promised land, two million people. And they have a rhythm every day. So God delivers them, brings them out. They're in the wilderness. They're wandering around the wilderness because of their doubt and unbelief. And, but, but God's got to provide for them in the desert. And because it's the desert, there's no like, you know, they can't stop at Taco Bell or anywhere. It's just like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I, we don't have any food. We don't have, how are we going to feed two million people? So God creates this miraculous process where every morning they wake up and they go out side their tents and there's something on the ground and it's called manna and manna means in the hebrew what is it they wake up every day and that's how they went out there like what is this what is this stuff why is this here what is this but they god tells them they're six days a week they're to gather it they grind it they make it into a, a you know cakes and they eat it they, got, they, they, they get tired of eating that. They're like, we got to have bread every day. This is not a low-carb diet, God. <laughs> and so then he makes quail come, and they have quail every day. He's like, I'm going to give you, since you guys complain about this, I'm going to give you quail till it comes out of your ears. And so every day they have quail, and they have bread. Every day when they are to move, this cloud, this giant pillar cloud moves when it's time for them to move. Every night, there's a giant pillar of fire that stops when they're supposed to stop and goes when they're supposed to go and lights up and protects them. And so they have this rhythm of their life. It's like, get up six days a week, collect the manna, get the quail, cloud, fire. Manna, quail, cloud, fire. Manna, quail, cloud, for 40 years. And they're really depending upon God in this season of their lives. It's his rhythm for their lives. On the sixth day, they would gather twice as much because on the seventh day, God rested. There was no manna out there. Some people would go out on the seventh day and say, where the manna at? I don't see any manna. There's no manna here. Some people would try to save 
the manna from the other five days into another day, but it would rot. Only on the sixth day would the manna last for two days. It was a miraculous thing. He provides this for them. He, he walks them through. And, 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 and it's one of the things that we think about in our reason we have church. We have this rhythm of having church once a week. And, and, and we have people coming in, and we're all living a different rhythm of life. We all have a different spiritual heartbeat. And so we come into church, and, and one of the reasons we encourage, and we have worship, and we, and we, and we, and we are entering into God's presence in worship is because what happens in worship with the music is our heartbeats become aligned. Because some people come in and your heartbeat's like, boom, 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 your spiritual heartbeat. And then, and then other people come in and it's like, is there a, I don't, I don't know if there's a pulse. I, any, we, we, I'm not sure there's anything there. Uh, I, and so what happens is as we all come in and then we align spiritually, so we're all pointed in the same direction. As the children of Israel was, they were all in the going the same direction because their rhythms aligned them together. Their, their, their daily rhythm of, of manna, quail, cloud, fire aligned them. It put them together. It joined them together. Their dependence upon God. So they're, 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 they have to rely on God completely. And so they come to the end of this 40 years. They have this rhythm, and they're going to enter the promised land. And this promised land is called a land flowing with milk and honey. It was a metaphor to say, like, everything you can want, this is great. Things grow here. It, it's a, you know, it's an agricultural society. So they're like, things are going to grow here. This is going to be easy. This is going to be a great place. Green, green pastures. It's, it's, it's a fertile land. This is amazing. Everything you need is here. And God knew this is what would happen. Their temptation would be that once they have everything they could ever want, they would forget about God. Well, that sounds familiar. That in a society where we have more than we've ever had before, that we're blessed, more blessed than we've ever been before, what happens is we start to forget about God because he's not in the rhythm of our life. So God had a plan, a genius plan. He wanted to help them focus on what mattered most. And he gives this to Moses. And Moses is, is addressing the people. And, and, and this address to the people that he gives is called, in the Jewish tradition, the Shema. And it simply means this. It means this, to listen, to hear, to do. To hear it, to do it. Don't just hear it to hear it, but to hear it to do it and to remember. To do, to remember, to hear. And so twice a day in their tradition, they would recite this out loud. Uh, all the children would recite it before bedtime. It would become a prayer for them. And let's check in Deuteronomy 6, 4, what this rhythm was. What this rhythm was. He starts off with hear. That's that word. Hear. Listen. Listen to do. Remember. Pay attention. This is, this is the grab. He says, oh, Israel, the whole, this is for everyone. This is for everyone. Listen. He said, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Let's, let's make sure we realize where he is, where we understand his role in this all. And he goes on, love. Here's what our response to God is then. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. He's saying, doesn't that sound like a great vision for his family? He's saying, I'm the Lord, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to love me. 
all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And then he unpacks how do we do that. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. He's like, make this written on your heart. Not just on the, the tablets that Moses came down the mountain with, but write it on your hearts. And here's how he says you're going to do that. Impress them on your children. Make an imprint of them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. He goes on to say, he says, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. What in the world are you talking about here? Like, what, what is going on? Like, hands and foreheads? Like, he, what is he saying? Keep it before you. Keep it before your face. He says, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. He's like, I want you to keep it before you. Everywhere you go, you need to see this. When you walk in, when you walk out, you need to see these things. So what is he saying? He's saying, you had this rhythm of six days. Get up, six days. Do this rhythm of manna, quail, cloud, fire. He says, that's going away. You need a new rhythm. And he gives them four things that need to be a part of the rhythm. And it's interesting that they spent six days gathering manna spiritual a type of spiritual nourishment from God and then they rested on one day we try to do the opposite let's gather one day a week for a couple hours if that maybe an hour let's gather a little bit and then try to make it last seven days we try to make we try to flip the script there and we don't we struggle with this, like, where is our faith in our lives? Where does faith have its place in our lives? We flip beyond what they did, because even if it's just, I mean, if once a week for, for today, that's a lot, actually. That's a lot. That is a lot for, for once a week, because, you know, something comes up, and it turns out that it's three times a month. Uh, you know, or it's every other week, or it's once a month, or it's just once. And again, this is not to condemn you, but it's to say, how can we gather manna just one day a week? And so it, it reminded me of something that's in my house. An example of this is, is China. Now, I have some, some China in our house. Now, here's the thing about this, this China set, is this is put away in a cabinet somewhere. We don't ever get this out not even on special occasions, because I have like four kids, y'all. Like, what are they going to do with this but break it? Right? You know, they might get to have tea from it every once in a while. And we have all this whole set here, and there's like a little teacup and a little, little plate here. And there's this thing here. I think that's for sugar, I think. I don't know. But so you have this, and it's like, well, what, is this, what does this do? I don't, I don't use this. And you know, you might have China in your house, you might, well, we're going to bring it out on special occasions. And that is the picture of most people's faith. Like, ooh, look at this. This is so great. I'm going to bring it out on special occasions. Look at my faith. <laughs> Put it away. Until next year. Next Thanksgiving. Which, again, we use paper plates. We got kids, y'all. <laughs> We ain't trying to break anything. And this is beautiful. It's, it's, it's hand-painted. It's got texture on here, you know, made in Japan, China made in Japan. I think he bought this in Korea. Um, 
No, he did. He bought this in Korea, China made in Japan. Uh, but we don't use this. We don't use this. This is gifted to us, but we don't use it. It's put away. You know what we do use? We use some plastic plates. And this plastic plate, this is my son, one of his plates, and you probably can't see it. I can see it up close. It's like, it's got cut marks in it. It's got like a little place where it kind of got a little melted in the microwave there, put something hot on it. You know, we got some that like, they got like spaghetti or pizza sauce on them, you know, like, or, you know, taco stuff on it. It's like, what? This is a used plate, and it's used every week. It goes through the dishwasher three, four, five times a week. Because this is used, this is something that we're, we're using in our life. And our faith needs to look a lot more like this than it does this. This is for show, this is for use. This is not practical. This is very practical. And so in our faith, it has to be used. And so we're going to talk about what's four things we can do, four, four times that we can make the best use of to do that. Because here, here's, here's something I want to, before... I, I move on to that. There's, there's something here. Is, do you know that when it comes to the average fourth grader, let's just talk about the average fourth grader. They spend, on average, 40 hours a year at church. 40 hours a year, on average. 40 hours a year. They spend 400 hours a year playing video games. That's a very conservative estimate. And they spend over 3,000 hours. They have 3,000 hours, spare hours at home a year. Now, if there's a spiritual problem, which one of those gets blamed? The church, who we spend 40 hours a year with them, right? Not the video games or the, the spare hours with mom and dad. We like to blame that. So how do we make this the rhythm of our life? How do we make this our family rhythm? Let's go back to Deuteronomy. What did he say first of all? He said, when you sit at home. When you sit at home. What is this rhythm? What is this part of the rhythm? When you sit at home, this is the time where you're eating together. This is the time where we sit together. We, we need to make time to sit together here, that we eat together, we connect. What did you do today? This is the time for formal discussion to establish values. This is where we're going to establish these values. This is where a, a, a parent, a leader, a person, that you are the teacher in this moment. You are the teacher role in this moment. How did you, what happened today? How did you overcome that? Who, 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 who treated you wrong today? How did it go right today? What did you do when that went right? What did you do when that went wrong? You tell stories. You debrief. You're asking questions. You're walking through the day. And that could be in the morning. That could be, you know, it could be whatever time that is that you're having time where you're sitting. And, and, and it's interesting because we, we try to do this as much as we can, but the reason what we don't do it today is what? What's the reason? We're all so busy. You guys know that you know the message, right? We're all so busy. We're too busy. We're overwhelmed with busyness. And we don't stop to value. We establish values by showing what we value. And so we don't stop to say, hey, let's show what we value. Because there's, the, there's this, the pure, let's just say that God didn't even create this thing. And let's just say this is just a psychological test. Let's do the research. Let's check out the stats. Let's just say God didn't know what he was doing, but he did. This, is, this literally proves the point. Do you know that for kids who sit down five times a week, 
with their families to eat a meal. Five times a week, sitting down out of the 21 meals in a week, because, you know, there's three meals a day, you know, some of y'all eat more um, or less, whatever. Five times a week, here's what the stats say, that kids, families who eat together, have lower instances of substance abuse. Goes down. They eat together. Lower teen pregnancy goes down if you eat together. Lower chance of depression just by eating together. I'm I'm not done. Lower eating disorders and health-related issues that come with that. Lower, this is actually a higher one, higher grade point averages just by eating five times a week. Higher self-esteem measured in the kids just by eating five times a week. Higher vocabulary from the kids just by eating and discussing five times a week. That is amazing. We see mental, we see physical, we see spiritual health. God knew what he was talking about when he said, talk about them when you are sitting at home, when you're eating together. There's something powerful that happens there. So a practical step for you, practical step for this week, eat dinner together as a family and tell stories. You say, well, I don't know how to tell stories. Say, remember when? That's its story. Remember when this happened? Remember when this happened? Remember when that happened? Remember when we did this? Remember when we did that? How did you feel? How about this? How about this? I remember when that happened to me. Let me tell you. Super practical when you sit at home. Number two, when you sit at home, when you walk along the road. Now, today, most people ain't walking around the road unless your car breaks down or you're crazy like me and you're running. When you walk along the road, I look at this as today for us, this could be drive time or it's time when you're doing something else. You can make this a part of your rhythm. What are you doing that's something else? You're walking along the road. You're bringing one of our DNA statements here, as Pastor Aaron says this all the time, is walk with me. In other words, I'm going to walk over there. You come with me. Walk with me. We're going to talk as we're going along the road there. There's a biblical principle of this. And this is a great time for informal dialogue with our family. This is where you can be a friend with someone who can be a friend. You can walk along, bring someone with you. You're filling their emotional cup of what they need, whether it, whatever, you know, there's love languages that a person has. And you can, if you don't know about love languages, you can look up the five love languages. And you can find out what, which love language does that child or that person need. What is, how do they feel love? And those are times when, when that can happen. Uh, I'll, bring, I'll do this with my kids. It's like, I'm going to bring them along with me. I'm going to run an errand. You know, i got to go to that crazy post office over there. If you work there, I'm sorry. You, it's crazy. Um, and and I'm, I know it's going to be a long time no matter what time of the day I go. And so I'm going to bring somebody with me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do small things. I'm going to go out for ice cream with my kids. I have time where I try to take time with each kid and do what they like to do. You know, I've done big things with my kids. So I've done small. Like this week, I took my oldest cat. We went out for ice cream in the last couple of weeks. And we just talked. We just had a conversation. And she said, you know, Dad, the other day someone asked me if I regret us moving around and all the things that have happened to us because we've been in ministry. And I had to think about it for a minute. But I said, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Like, that's what I needed to hear. I, I went to minister to my daughter, and I got ministered to in that moment. It's like, oh, okay, good. I made some right decision, one, or something. Maybe it was my wife, probably. And then I'm on the other end, I've done something big with her. I took her to Disney for her 16th birthday. 
And we did all four parks in four, we went to Disney World, all four parks in four days, went to, uh, went, and she chose me over her mom, not because she likes me more, because she knew we would get more done. Because um, she, she was like, Dad, I want to do the maximum. I'm like, I got you. I got you. Um, and we went to Magic Kingdom, and they said, hey, you can't do everything in one day. It's not possible. And I'm like, challenge accepted. Um, and we did it. We got there at 8 in the morning, and we stayed till 2 in the morning. So but we got it all done. We got it all done. Some of y'all are already tired. I'm like ready to do it again. And so finding time, and I've said this since my daughter was little, and someone said it to me. He said, hey, Jason, if you want to talk to Kat later in her life about boys, right now you have to talk to her about Barbies. And I'm not into Barbies, y'all. Barbies do not excite me whatsoever. Barbie movies, Barbie toys, nothing. You know, that doesn't excite me. But I knew I had to be engaged with them. So, you know, I like play church with the Barbies, and we was like getting them baptized and healing them, and, you know, and, um, you know, we, you know we, we, we did all kinds of fun stuff. Y'all don't know about the prayer cloths for Barbies. Uh, if I want my son to later talk to me about friends, I got to talk to him about frogs now. And I got to be engaged in his world. I got to talk about PJ masks. I got I got to engage in his world right now. And our and our challenge with this is we're so distracted. We're busy because we're distracted and I'm the worst with this. I I you know my kids can tell you like I have to fight this. I have to fight this with my wife going on a date. You go out to you go out to eat somewhere my wife and I will go on a date cuz we 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 try to make this part of our rhythm and we're like out to eat at a nice restaurant and everyone's doing this. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm like, man, you're there with the love of your life, and you can't put that thing down, like to look at the person. And, and, and it's like, put, put, it, put all that away. So my challenge on, on this one is, don't, don't try to be somewhere else. Be present when there. When you walk along the road, uh, is, is, is have some tech-free, dis, distraction-free uh, fun time with your kids and family. Like, put it away. Put it away where you're having fun without that thing. So, when we sit at home, when we walk along the road, the next one, third one, when we lie down. This is bedtime. This is the bedtime. This is, this is the, the end of the day. This is a time for personal conversation. This is really becomes a counselor time. Often, this is where you're going to talk about fears. You're going to talk about anger. You're going to talk about some real raw emotions. There's, a, there's an opportunity for this. And every kid is different with this. You know, I know all my kids are, are so different. And we have embraced something that we try to hear do recently is like, you know, I'm really good at praying. But my four-year-old, he's not real great at praying, right? Like, so I could pray for them, and it's going to be biblically accurate. It's going to be theologically sound. I mean, it's going to be full of faith and power. But my four-year-old, like, it's, it's, he's going to pray, yeah. But what I've started to do is like, hey, I, I'm going to let them pray. And I'm not going to correct them. Hey, no, actually, you want to pray to the Father in the name of the Son, or else... <laughs> God won't answer your prayers. Sorry, son, that's not theologically accurate. Actually, Proverbs says, I could do all that. I can do that all day with the best of them. But instead, I just said, let them, let them mess up. Let them just have this conversation with God. Let it be just 
raw and real, intimate with God in his moments. We, we, we talk about this is a time where we, we model like, hey, I'm sorry. You know, there was an, I was taking one of my, my youngest daughter out for ice cream one time, and we, we were going over somewhere, and uh, I don't like cherries on top of my, like, sundaes or shakes or whatever. Like, don't put no cherry on there. I don't like that. Some, my wife likes the cherry. I don't like the cherries. I don't like cherries. Sorry. So if I get it on there, I throw it away, like, immediately. Like, I don't even let someone else eat it. No, this is trash. <laughs> trash. But Trinity, she's just like the, me in that. And so I get mine, and it doesn't have a cherry on it, but she gets hers and has a cherry on it, and she starts to freak out in the back seat. Like, and I'm driving down the highway with this because we're going to take, we took some home or whatever for, for the rest of the family. And she's like throwing a fit about this. And instead of being an adult, I decided like, hey, I'm going to escalate it. And I'm like, you should just be glad I gave you anything. And I start yelling. And she's like, I don't want this cherry. And I'm like, you know, she's being irrational. So instead of me being rational, I got more irrational, you know. And so, like, I grab the cherry off there, I roll down my window, I'm driving down the highway, it's like 50 miles, 60 miles an hour, and I throw the cherry outside, I'm like, are you happy now? There's no cherry. I'm like, rolling up the window, and people were like, Pastor Jason, why are you red like a cherry? But I had to stop and say, hey, I repent. Just because you were doing something I didn't like didn't mean that I can do something that doesn't represent Christ well. And oftentimes as parents, as leaders, as influencers, we could think and like, well, I don't want to ever come off as weak and maybe needing forgiveness because then they won't respect me. No, that's not how this works. I got down and said, will you forgive me? I, I, I got angry. The Bible says be angry and sin not. I sinned. Will you forgive me? And then we'll, later we'll talk about what you did. But I didn't say like, hey, I sinned because you sinned. I said, no, 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 I'm not going to do what Adam did. He, Adam says, hey, I sinned because Eve sinned. I just said, I sinned and it's wrong. I, didn't, I shouldn't have done that. Let's make my sin right first. Then, because I'm your dad, I'm going to work on yours. But I need to work on mine first. Your sin doesn't give me license to sin too and act like an idiot driving down the highway. We don't say idiot. We have to allow this to be time where it can be open. It can be raw. It can be intimate. And so when we lie down, I, my encouragement is, is pray. Pray with, your, pray with your family. Have everyone take a turn. We, we let Lincoln, our four-year, we let him pray. We're just like, hey, you just pray. You just talk to God. You say it. You say it. And he always says, I don't know what to say. Just say, what are you thankful for, buddy? Oh, I got a new trampoline today. I'm thankful. I love my family. I love the Grijalvas. I love, I love Marco. He says all his friends' names. I was like, man, that's probably way more theologically correct than anything I was going to say. It probably touches God's heart more. So I would encourage you, just pray. Let, let everybody take a chance. Let everyone have an opportunity. Fourth thing, so when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, when you get up, 
in the morning time starting your day. You know, the way that you start the day is usually how the day goes. How many of you have experienced that? And our role as leaders, as family, as parents in this is to be a coach, to be an encourager. This is time for encouraging words. We have to coach them before they go in the game. You know, I know over my kids, it's in the morning when everything's trying to go crazy, it's like, hey, we got to stop, slow down, pause, and remember, what are we, who are we? What has God called us to? Let's, we pray prayers in the morning that, that are very, I, I like to pray what I call like expectant prayers, like I thank you, Lord, that my kids are 10 times wiser than the children of this world. I thank you that they are a witness in their school today. I thank you that they are sharing the love of God today. I thank you that they are learning, they are growing. Great is their peace, they're taught. What am I doing? I'm literally praying out what I expect from them that day and what we expect from God. And they enter into that. They understand that. Another thing we do with this is, 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 it, is, is we, we walk through what's going to happen that day. How are we going to approach that that day? We're going to walk through, uh, and one of the things we do is we take cards that look kind of like this, little index cards, and I have them write out. Scriptural confessions of faith on there that say stuff like, I am a child of God. I'm called by God. I'm saved by God. I am kind and patient. And you know, and I, and I operate in this in my life, I, except for mine are on my Evernote on my phone, and it pops up every morning, 61 things I say. I don't make my kids say 61 things. They have 61 different things, but they don't all say them every day. They have them in a jar. They pull one out. Hey, I'm going to say this today. I'm going to look at myself. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this to myself. Why? Because it sets the expectation of the day. It encourages them for that day. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Come on. I can do it. I believe God can help me. He can, I'm, I'm patient. I'm kind because God is kind. I can love others because God loved me. So my encouragement, my challenge for you is, is, you know, we got school coming up. If you have kids, do this. If you don't have kids, I encourage you to do this anyhow. I have a thing that pops up on my phone that tells me every day, hey, come on. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Tell yourself. Remind yourself who you are, whose you are. Remind you what God's done for you. And say those every day. Speak those every day. And as you begin to do these things, as you begin to think about when you sit at home, that mealtime, when you are walking along the way, when you're going, going somewhere, going somewhere, when you are, you know, uh, lying down, when you're waking up, when, you, when you're thinking about all those rhythms of the day, it's what you're doing is you're keeping Christ at the center. You're keeping Christ at the center. And because we want to encourage you to do the same and, and, and to have a reminder, we have, these car, we have these little cards that we had printed up, and it has all the four, the four times, the four communications, the four roles, and the four goals of each one of those things. So you're, I'll just pick one of these up today. We're going to have the ushers have these as you're dismissed here in just a few moments. Pick these up. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it on your mirror. Get an extra one. Put it in your car. Remind yourself of what area... These are, and we're going to have some stuff that we're going to put uh, on our social media this week about real practical steps that you can do with each one of these. Because like, well, what what kind of confessions do I put up there? I'll put you. I'll put some of the ones that we do. I'm also going to put. A, a, this is a really uh, sweet video. There's a. We were doing this. We've been doing this for years, but we were doing this two years ago, and my two, my son was two years old then. Lincoln was two years old. And I was doing them with his sisters, but not him because he's too young. You know, I was like, he's too young, right? He can't. He can't do it. Well, he wanted to say it too. And there's a video where my wife caught him saying, he's, he, 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 he doesn't even make any sense. But he's just, I'm a child of God. 
You know, he doesn't, I'm going to post that on our social media this week because this is a practice that we have to put in. And, and, and as I said at the beginning of my message, I didn't preach this for any of y'all today. I preached it for me because I want to continue to keep Christ at the center of the rhythm of our life.